Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. I think it's safe to say that our luck has officially turned around, guys. We are back, baby. We're back. Classic. We are back. That's We are back. We are getting Doug back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. Michael Preston. Our traditional opening for the traditional first new show. By the way, I mentioned this because we did do some shows uh, earlier this summer when realignment hit the fan, and I only marked an episode as explicit for the second time ever. Uh, this is season 10 of this podcast in some form or another, and I can't tell you how tickled I am. Uh, to say that. I'm trying to use the term how tickled I am uh, more. I'm trying to bring that back. Um, how happy I am that, it, you know, in some form or another, this podcast has existed um, for 10 years. And that's thanks in part to you guys for continuing to listen. It's thanks in part to anybody who's a new listener. Um, we always try to appeal to the new kids on campus and tell you that you're not going to get anybody, any better information anywhere on Wazoo stuff podcast-wise, because Lord knows you're not listening to Seattle sports stations, and you probably shouldn't either. Um, you're gonna, going to hear at the Kook Center Hour, and here at Podcast Versus Everyone. On this very podcast feed, you just subscribe, review with five stars, and download everything, because it helps me buy burritos. Ten years of help buying burritos, and I really appreciate it. Welcome to the Kook Center Hour, our show before game week. This is our training camp show. This is our fall camp show. We'll talk a little bit here again at the top about expectations for the football team. I do want to get into realignment a little bit more. That's kind of been the dominant conversation here for now almost two months following UCLA and USC's departure um, for the Big Ten, or rather when it'll, it'll happen in two years, just that it was announced two months ago. Um, a Kind of a melancholy dunderhead of the week. We, always, we do that every once in a while. Um, and then as always, ask Michael anything. The and I'm I've been trying to find a place to start here for a while. Um, I've been thinking about it, but what what strikes me about this season and what strikes me about um about just all the goings on leading up to this. Um, and I think Jeff put this a really good way, in, kind of in in the the prologue to all of the website previews, is that, I mean, r- right off the top, this is the first time in three years that pretty ostensibly we don't need to worry about COVID cancellations. We don't need to worry about players being out for COVID. We don't really need to worry um, about any of that. This year, we don't need to worry about a game getting canceled. Granted, it was only it was very very few um, last year that did. Um, so as we kind of all come out of this, it now kind of really feels like this is kind of that first season that's back to a little bit of normal for all of these sports. Because if I recall correctly, there were. At least still at the beginning of the last basketball season, I think there were still capacity restrictions. I can't remember um, exactly, but th- this this is really the first opportunity 
Um, or no, there wasn't, but there were, there were still indoor masking requirements. Um, this is really the first opportunity that a lot of us are going to have to have a, you know, kind of a quote unquote normal year for the first time in three years. And I think I just want to recognize how important that is for everybody, uh, how important it is that um, we kind of continue to hopefully make steps back towards what was normal. Um but even beyond that, just for this football team, it, it was an exceptionally odd and full of strife and difficult uh, 2021. I don't know of another team in the country uh, that fired their head coach midseason and it had nothing to do with on-field performance. Uh, we, we kind of outlined that last year that it was such a unique situation and we understood why the players... Uh, were so particularly forlorn um, because it, it was no, it was had nothing to do with football. It had absolutely nothing to do with it. You have a guy in Jake Dickert step in uh, in on an interim basis at first, and then permanently uh, after the season ends. You see Pat Chun, and I I'm still relatively of the opinion here um, that. Pat Chun saw the coaching carousel go whirling around in a year where Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU um, and was just like, I just do not want to get on that ride. And if you thought there was any chance that you had a guy on staff already who could do the job, then you were just going to do it. And I don't mean that as a as a knock on Jake Dickert. Um, Jake Dickert is... He's, he's, he's just... He's a very different guy... <laughs> Than our last two football coaches. And I, I I want to kind of explore that for a second before we get into everything else. I, I've kind of been rambling here, but you guys all know that's what I do best. Mike Leach was Mike Leach. Nick Rolovich, before all the vaccine stuff, was Nick Rolovich. He was a guy who brought a Britney Spears lookalike to Mountain West Media Days. He was a guy who bought beers for people um, at a basketball game. He was a guy who... Constantly wore that, I don't remember what kind of hat it is um, anymore, um, but that's who Nick Rolovich was. Jake Dickert is not either of those guys. So it's been 10 years of kind of eccentric head football coaches, and now you have Jake Dickert, who is kind of anything but that. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, in fact, and again, going back to what Pat Chun was probably thinking, there's probably a degree of being refreshed by that if you're Pat Chun. But what really and truly struck me about Jake Dickert is, is just that he is ostensibly a guy just focused on football. And he's, he's always going to give you the right answer in public, and he's always going to do that. I don't think there's really been any you know, kind of talking to players through the media so far. We haven't really had a full season to kind of gauge that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of football coach he turns out to be. It'll be interesting to see what he can do in a full season. And I think one thing a lot of folks, myself included, were worried about at the conclusion of last season was, do you surround yourself with guys who you 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 don't have the pride of a football coach to go, no, 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 I got to be the smartest guy in the room where you say, no, 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 I need to surround myself with very capable people who may know better than me. And he certainly has done that with Eric Morris and Brian Ward. 
Um, Eric Morris, as far as I'm concerned, and we're sitting here, you know, before even a stamp of football was a home run hire. Uh, a guy who'd worked in Pullman before and who ran a system that, like we've talked about before on this show, it, it, you can't just run the West Coast offense in Pullman, Washington. You got to do something unique to lean into not that diamond in the rough recruiting, but you need to be able to live on the edges a little bit more. You got to be able to get things done with guys who might get overlooked or who aren't going or who aren't going to get offers from your Oregon's and your Stanford's and your UCLA's or whoever. You've got to be able to do more with less. And that's what the air raid is. I know a lot of folks don't love it, but that's what it is. We have tight ends for the first time in over 10 years. For the first time since I was in college, which was a very, very long time ago. Every time I see the kids going back to school, I'm reminded that I started at Wazoo 16 years ago. And I've now been out of school for longer than I was in it. Which is horrifying. And I'm literally turning into a mummy or that that Matt Damon Saving Private Ryan gif uh, behind the microphone. So... It's it's all it's all very new again this year. You have a new starting quarterback in Cam Ward who transferred from um, with Eric Morris from Incarnate World up to Pullman. He's going to be the starting quarterback. We gave him a freaking pickup truck for goodness sake through an NIL deal. We never had that happen before. You don't have Max Borgie. What's the answer at running back? I don't know if we really know what the answer is at running back right now because nobody's really kind of stepped up. Right, like you like, you hear good reports about Jalen Jenkins, but why isn't Nakia Watson doing it, or why isn't Javon Lee Brazil doing it? Who is really stepping up to be that guy in that position on the offensive line? Goodness me, um, is there reason to worry? Because it's a lot of very brand new faces up there, and with a brand new quarterback and a brand new system, and it is going to be a steep learning curve. It is a very good thing that there is a soft landing with Idaho in the first game. Okay? Like let's let's it's it's, it's a little it's, it's a little worrying. Okay? It's it's a little frightening that that's what it is up front. On the defense or in a wide receiver, you got Dejon Stribling, who I think a lot of us were worried would leave with Nick Rolovich. You still have Donovan Ollie, Lincoln Victor, you have Renard Bell back Frank. What's this his seventh season at Wazoo? I really hope this kid has gotten a Masters. Like I really hope he's gotten a Masters, and if he hasn't, that's fine too. But I like go go get go get as many degrees as you can, young man. Defensively, you've got Ron Stone and Brennan Jackson back there, or back there on the defensive front. You've got Armani Marsh in his final season. You've got great transfer pieces from Nevada and Michigan State in the secondary. How does that all work out? Do they get better as the season goes on, or are they also still trying to find themselves in Brian Ward's defense? It's another season for me of a lot of question marks. And I feel like every team, and I and we're, I, I never want I don't want ever talk about the 2020 season because like as far as I'm concerned, that didn't it didn't even really happen. It didn't really count for anything. Every team has responded that I can remember for five plus years now 
to a lot of adversity, and they've responded to it very positively. And it, it, it kind of brings me back to a piece of personal experience where my wife and I have a two-year-old, and I swear this is not just an opportunity to talk about my daughter. But, like, every time we think, oh, she won't be able to handle X, you know, she won't be able to handle three straight hours in the car, or a really loud crowd at a Sounders game because she was a COVID baby and she's not used to that many people being around. Or she's going to have a, you know, she takes a really horrible nap and it's oh my God, she's going to have a terrible afternoon. She just defies your expectations. Literally every time and to the point where you would think that at a certain point, I would just assume she's going to do that. And it's kind of the same thing here. Like you would think I would kind of just assume that that is what is going to happen here. But I, I, I guard my heart a bit because, uh, <laughs> because I went to Washington State and because, uh, and because I think that's, that's, that's what you want to do too. You want to kind of keep yourself a little at bay so that when the good stuff does happen, um, it feels really good and it feels even better. So that way I don't blow into this season just thinking they're going to win nine games and when they only win seven, I'm pissed off. I, I always say this at the beginning of every year with a very few exceptions. The baseline for Washington State is a bowl game three out of every four years. And right now they're on a streak again, not counting 2020. It dates back to what, 2015? So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21, six in a row. Okay. That's pretty darn good for Washington State. Actually, that's very good for Washington State. That's never happened before. Is this a bowl team? Is this a team that can maybe make it to a bowl game? And I don't know if it's necessarily surprised some people. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised. I think it was what they were voted a fourth or fifth place finish in the Pac-12 North. So that's and with eight bowls being sponsored by the Pac-12. That's not out of bounds. Um, Idaho and Colorado State, very winnable. California, actually, really every home game. It would not surprise me, <laughs> I mean, like, except for Oregon. So, like, it would not surprise me to see them basically go 6-1 uh, and one at home. Even against Washington. And I, I, for years and years, what did I say? I, I'll believe it when I see it. And I, well, I didn't see it. I was on an airplane. And I'll do that from now on if you guys need me to so we win that football game. Um, But Utah on a short week, they're going to be a very good team, but they got to come up to Pullman um, on that short week. Even after a bye, it's tough to travel in the middle of the week. So is there a world where you go 5 and 2, 6 and 1 at home? And then you just got to pick up one of Oregon State or Stanford or Arizona on the road. Three teams um, where one of them should be pretty decent. And the other two are going to be anything but, probably. Or, (laughs) does the offensive line need a lot more work than we think? And does nobody really step up at running back? And are there still problems in the secondary? All of these things are kind of what keep me up at night, but it's also what makes this season, it's what makes every football season interesting, is what is going to happen. And like, I, you know, we all think we know, 
But truly, what is going to happen this year? And it's another year of change, and it's another year where my expectations are five to six wins. And it's another opportunity for them to exceed those expectations at every turn. Cam Ward certainly is who he is. There's no doubting that talent level. There's no doubting the talent at receivers. There's no doubting there's some really good skill guys on defense. It's just a matter of it all coming together. And this is something that we talk about constantly with Washington State. And it is one of the problems of an offensive system or a defensive system where you have to live on the edges. You kind of have to live you know, close to the edge a little bit is that your margin for error is much lower than a team with a bunch of five stars or four stars. You can't get away with errors as much. Take like, I feel like every game they lose at Rice Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City, which by the way, thank God Utah's actually up here this year. But this this is like what, six years in a row playing, I've had enough of playing Utah. I've had, I've had enough of playing Utah. Well, not, don't, leave but just in football I like you guys in every other sport this is going to be a <laughs> I can't wait to see them kick off against Idaho on the third and again that, that should be a, a, a pretty easy win but it'll be interesting to see where everything is because then you really hit the ground running the next week no parachute the next week no net to catch you. You're in Madison against Wisconsin. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you better you better get it figured out right quick. Because if you don't, um, I mean everybody's still gonna have a great time in Madison. That's going, but um, it would be better to at least be competitive and make a game of it. It's gonna be an interesting year. We say that every year, but I this one is gonna be especially interesting. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about realignment um, on the other side of the break. Um, oh, also, by the way, Coog's going to Vegas. Yeah? Yeah? Who else is going? Yeah? I'm Nick Papa Giorgio. That's, that's just how I always act down there. All right. Talk more about realignment when we come back. Back here on the Coog Center Hour, our training camp show. This is this is our training camp, too. So, like, if you hear a bad edit, like, I was hitting whatever the podcasting version of a tackling sled is. I'm drinking... I'm also having red wine, so that's, mm, you know, that's, I, I normally drink beer uh, when we're podcasting, but um, there was an open bottle of wine. <laughs> it was like, it was sitting there like, drink me. I did. If you're new to the show, I really apologize for the rambling. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit more about realignment. Um, I, I mean, heck, we did a show in late June. In a show right after the 4th of July um, about it all. And there's obviously been um, at least a little bit of movement um, in the interim. Um, of course, the Big Ten's TV contract, their next one got announced. Um, ranging between 7 to $8 billion. Everybody agrees that it's a seven-year deal. Um, but nobody can quite nail down the term. And of course, I don't think the Big Ten will make it public. And it'll probably take a FOIA request to one of the universities. Uh, that's public to get it, but that, of course, will also be slow-rolled. Um, 
And we also learned this week that it comes with a specific escalator clause if Notre Dame joins, but no specific escalator clause if anybody else joins. And we also learned that Oregon may be talking to the Big Ten about, hey, what do you guys think of us? Do you want to swipe left or right or whatever the good or bad one is? Because I don't know because I'm 34 and married. Um, and is Washington going to join? And are the Four Corners going to jump to the Big 12? And blah, 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 blah. Everything else. Okay. I want to try to take this kind of one step at a time. Okay? Just like my friend Jordan Sparks says. One step at a time. <laughs> reference like people in college for like six years from 2008 to maybe 14 will get probably not even 2014 um first of all let, let let's take that rumor about Oregon exploring big 10 membership um I don't doubt it first of all um but second of all as I preached uh, uh you know six weeks ago, you need to remember that this sort of stuff moves glacially. It doesn't move at the speed of social media or a 24-hour news cycle. College administrators are involved in these decisions. Okay? You know, people who are bureaucrats are involved in this decision. And I don't mean bureaucrats in like a nasty sense. I mean it in the sense that Decisions take a long time when they're in the hands of people who are administrators and bureaucrats. This is not going to move quickly. Okay. Secondly, Oregon would not be doing their due diligence, whoever it was. To Brett McMurphy said like a representative from Oregon, but it wasn't um, Michael Schill, who's not going to be the president um, of the university next year. Uh, the AD wasn't there, and Kevin Warren, the president of the Big Ten, wasn't there. Great. So who that who the heck was? So, but it still behooves Oregon to at least, hey, kick the tires. Like, hey, what would it take for you to, you know, like maybe call us back or shoot us a texty text if you liked How I Met Your Mother and Ted Mosby, who's one of the worst protagonists of all time. What would it take to have you guys do that? Kirk Schultz wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't WS, if he didn't call the Big 12 and say, hey, should the worst happen? What can we do to make ourselves appealing? Are you guys interested in us right now? If Kirk Schultz is that worried about the Pac-10 dissolving. And I'm going to start calling it the Pac-10 because that's really what it is. So you're not doing your due diligence if you don't do this. Secondly, I think that specific escalator for Notre Dame pretty much clearly you know, points where the Big Ten and their TV partners going forward are looking. They're looking at Notre Dame. And if the only consolation for upping the contract is just that, yeah, we'll negotiate in good faith with you, they don't have a number then for Washington, for Oregon, for Stanford, for Cal. And on that vein, part of the narrative I saw after that deal got announced was all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now the Big Ten's worried about travel partners. Now the Big Ten's worried that they need someone out west for their teams to go visit and for USC and UCLA to play more often. And I guess my only question was then why wasn't that a worry for the year you guys were planning this behind the scenes? Like the 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 planning of USC and UCLA joining the conference at least goes back we've seen reported at least a year. So you're telling me it wasn't a worry for a year. Like all of a sudden it's a concern. 
when the problem is nobody will admit publicly. They just don't give a rat's butt. Trying to keep the explicit tag off it. They don't care about the women's volleyball team. They don't care about the baseball team. They care about football. Football. And the men's basketball and women's basketball. But they'll all have charters. That's all they care about. They don't care about the Olympic sports. They don't care about the non-rev sports. They don't care about any of that. Okay? So, travel partners or whatever. And if they wanted to bring Washington and Oregon with them, they would have done it. But they didn't. So, they're not in the Big Ten right now. Or won't be in two years. Okay? Let's talk about that deal um, as well. It was good and bad for the Pac-12. I think, thinking more about it, it kind of ended up a net neutral for them. Um, Fox gets the Tier 1, CBS gets Tier 2, I think, and NBC gets Tier 3. I think it was structured brilliantly by the Big Ten to do Fox gets the first game, CBS gets the second game, NBC gets that Saturday night primetime game on an over-the-air channel, which still carries some cachet compared to being cable. Okay, I know it sounds dumb, but it does. So that, that was brilliant structuring. The one disadvantage to that is Fox has zero online presence. CBS has Paramount Plus, and NBC's got Peacock. And we found out also a lot of basketball games are going to end up on Peacock. Not ideal if you're a Big Ten fan. But the way in which it was good and bad for the Pac-12 was it was good that ESPN got shut out. So ESPN, after this year, has no seat at the table with the Big Ten. They don't have anything with previously the conference that was arguably their largest partner. The disadvantage for the Pac-12 is that literally every other media company (laughs) that might be interested in collegiate athletics also got involved with the Big Ten. So now it's really of your traditional partners, just ESPN out there for the Pac-12. Now, there is value still in that late window, and I know everybody hates hearing that because it means late games. There's value in that, and we'll get to why some of the talk about the Big 12 poaching for that late window doesn't make a lot of sense in a minute. But there's value in that. And if you can get an Amazon, an Apple interested, two companies that were reportedly interested in the Big Ten, and you have Amazon who is paying an unholy amount of money to broadcast one NFL game a week and just came to an agreement with DirecTV to broadcast those games in basically what I'll call public spaces, meaning bars, restaurants, etc. Casinos. That's a big deal. Casinos. Okay. Can you get them interested? If even not to drive, you know, maybe you drive the price up a bit, but you offer a tier two partner, maybe somebody who can absorb the Pac 12 network. Can Amazon just create on Prime Video a Pac 12 network channel? Can they do that? Can Apple do that? Amazon and Apple could lose the money you want them to spend on you in a couch cushion. Okay? They they could lose that and not notice. But they're going to be responsible at least somewhat. So can you get ESPN and Amazon to play against each other a bit? 
The other reason, I and again, I don't buy Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State bolting for the Big 12 is that A, that invitation is always going to be there. So there's no urgency if you are any of those four schools in going to the Big 12 until the absolute last moment you must. Because let's all be honest, Big 12 fans, the door for them will always be unlocked. And if they want to walk through it, the Big 12 is going to be standing there with their arms wide open. There will never not be a time where that is not the case for those four schools. Ever. Or Washington and Oregon. Or really, and let's be frank, whomever in the Pac-12. Even Washington State and Oregon State. There's value in those two schools too, guys. Okay? There's also the issue of, I and I, I'm... I'm baffled that I haven't seen this address is that the Big 12 has a grant of rights that's almost a century long. And Oklahoma and Texas are paying $80 million to get out of it. If you are any of those four corner schools, why would you commit yourself to the Big 12 for 87 years? Okay. I don't... I I feel better about the Pac-12 today than I did on July 1st. The Pac-10. But what will be crucial is where this TV deal goes. And I think importantly, you need it to end before the Big Tens does. And it probably also involves some realignment of your own. It involves you going out and getting San Diego State. It involves you going and getting probably another Mountain West school. It involves maybe you going and getting SMU. It involves, like we talked about in those shows, your presidents getting uncomfortable and being willing to let go of those hangups they have regarding academic institutions, religious institutions, whatever you want. You know, all those, you know, R1 Research University hangups they have. You're going to have to let go of those if you want to survive. But, and, I, and this is this is my wildest theory by a long way, Okay. And John Wilner kind of brought this up on Twitter today. And again, I, I don't think it will happen because to his point, it, it requires the Pac-12 presidents to be kind of visionary here. And George Klyavkov would have to do a hell of a sell job. But is there a world where the Pac-12 says to Amazon or Apple, their tier two partner, that says... If we want to sign with you five years from now, you can be our tier one rights partner. In exchange for that, we are guaranteeing you that today for five years from now. We're going to need you to go buy out Kansas and whomever else you want in the Big 12. Can you get them to do that? Or do you entice enough of them that they literally vote to dissolve the conference? Now, that 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 part is even more wild. What's less wild is Amazon, who, I mean, they, they could debt leverage to the hilt if they wanted to borrow this money. Debt leverage probably isn't the right word there. But they could borrow the money for this. And again, they can find $80 million in a couch cushion over there at Doppler. Okay. 
can you convince them that $160 million for two teams in the Big 12, you don't need to pay anything for San Diego State and whoever you want in the Mountain West in all likelihood. So can you convince them that $80 million for two Big 12 schools is worth the money over the life of a five-year or maybe six-year deal? Is it worth, and again, I was a comm major, so the math is going to be extremely rough here, but is it worth that 13 to $16 million per year to you? Even if it's just a wash. But you can get, you can guarantee them the tier one rights, and you can get everybody to sign a grant of rights that lasts however long. Or do you let ESPN keep the tier one, but Amazon maybe gets a okay cut for fronting the money? Or does ESPN front the money? Probably not. Disney might not be as excited about that. But is there a world where somebody comes in and says, does Amazon not... I, I can't imagine... You know, Amazon probably had a lot of interest in the Big Ten because, of, again, of the branding. Um, but they're out west. Their identity is out here. So are they interested in a 14-team Pac-10, so a Pac-14, with a couple of teams from the Big 12 that, yeah, we're going to have to pay for, but just cut them the check up front and tell them bye. Again, that's, that's my wildest theory. It's not out of bounds financially for the potential TV partners for this conference. And I think... You give Larry Scott one credit for one thing. He saw this coming 10 years ago. Now, granted, he was too early to this, but he saw this coming. Is Can that happen? I don't know. But what is, I think, most likely, at least at this point, is that ESPN obviously is going to take the Tier 1 rights. Somebody comes in for those Tier 2, Tier 3, whatever it is. But at the base level, the Pac-12 network's got to get sold off to somebody. Whether it's ESPN, Prime Video... Apple TV Plus, whomever, it'll get sold off. And that, I mean, that sticks with the people who worked there and built that thing out. I just, it never, and we've had plenty of criticisms for it over the years. It just never worked out. It was a fine idea and it just never worked. And I, and I will always give the Pac 12 Network credit for one thing is that they did not, generally speaking, they did not kind of, you know, like what ESPN did last year with the production quality. They never said, oh, don't worry about the production quality. No, they always worried about the production quality. Always. Nobody can watch the games, but they always worried about that. So for that, I will always give them credit. This is not, and the other thing too, you guys got to remember about realignment. This is not getting decided tomorrow. It's not getting decided next week, end of the month. It might not even be decided before the end of football season. Because we're working with college administrators. And you're working with the conference commissioner who in a week and a half is going to have football to oversee. And he's going to have a lot of really important stuff on his plate including the CV deal. But all these college presidents are going to start having schools to run again as they come back into session. These ADs are going to have everybody back in the buildings. This is going to take a while. And I hate being this nervous for this long, but that's the way it is. Let's play the fight song. Uh, when we come back after the fight song, kind of a melancholy uh, Dunderhead of the Week. I don't want to call it Dunderhead. I hate, I hate it when we call it Dunderhead of the Week. But... Um, a tribute would be more appropriate um, to someone who we lost um, in between our last show and this one um, that we'd like to pay proper respects to. And we will continue to pay proper respects by 
following that up with Ask Michael Anything and your guys' hilarious questions. So that's quite a dichotomy, and we really love it. But after the fight song, we'll do that. play the uh, goofy music like we normally do um here um I, I you know we talked about i think before we play the fight song um this is more of a tribute um vin scully uh passed away um earlier this month um he was in his 90s i can't remember um exactly how old he was but goodness me he lived um quite an incredible life and frankly set a standard for broadcasting um that may never be met again. And and you know what? I, I, I can probably go as far as to say it will never be met again. Uh, every once in a while, you know, when when guys are guys, they're talking about old baseball players or whatever. And I think every once in a while that question comes up of if you could have anybody to call the World Series, any two people to call the World Series, who would you want? And my answer was always Finn Scully, and somebody to bring them water. That was just, that was it. And I really got indoctrinated to him when my wife and I moved to LA after our wedding 10 years ago. And the Dodgers were what were on TV every night. And I got to listen to Vin Scully every single night. And I bought MLB TV when we moved back to Seattle, despite the fact that I had Root Sports on my cable package. But I needed to be able to listen to Vin um, whenever I wanted. And it, it's so rare to you know, kind of have this person who's a comfort to you like that and can speak in such a way that it just makes you feel comfortable and relaxed. And I, I, I don't even know how else to describe it. Um, I did, you know, there's another old anecdote of you could have heard Vin Scully uh, read a grocery list, you would have been enthralled. And I think people joked about that, but he actually did that uh, once. So why don't we take a listen to being enthralled by Vin Scully reading a grocery list? Well, let's see. We've got a dozen eggs, a quart of milk, a loaf of bread, a can of frozen orange juice, six small white onions, a green pepper, garlic powder, a package of American cheese, pickles, kosher that is, bananas, cornflakes, maple syrup, toothpaste, Paper towels, toilet paper, six bars of soap, hot dogs, quarter pound of chopped meat, steak, lamb chops, package of spaghetti, three apples, bologna, cottage cheese, a pound of butter, two ears of corn, beer, ketchup, peanut butter, soy sauce, and a half a pound of coffee. Orange juice, bologna. That's just how I'm going to say those two things from now on. First of all... I was in trance the whole time, but second of all, that is the grocery list of a person who's going to have some severe digestional, digestional 
issues. Their stomach is going to cramp a lot. Chopped meat? What even is that? I have no idea what, just like, I mean, I know what ground beef is. What is, ch is that the same thing? I don't know. Um, but, and, and I, it's just, it's so hard. There, there will never be anybody else like him ever again. Nobody who spends 67 years calling the same team um, in Major League Baseball. I think only Bob Uecker is even close to that with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, it's so often said, you don't want to meet your heroes. You don't want to know who they really are because it's good to have them up on this pedestal and not know um, anything about them. And I actually do have... Everybody always has a story about a person after they pass away, but I actually do have um, a Vin Scully story. It's not mine specifically. It's my wife's. Again, I mentioned we moved to L.A. Um, after our wedding. My wife worked for Fox Sports um, after we moved down there, and she did a lot of the Dodgers kind of magazine shows, you know, kind of like Mariners All Access, that type of stuff. Um, and one day it required her to go see Vin Scully before a game and just do a quick interview. And I, she, to this day, can't remember what it's about. Um, but that's that's not really important. Um, what is important is that you know that he was in his 80s, uh, still dressed to the nines, absolutely. Um, and in, in that industry that's so male-dominated, it's so... You find a lot of men, you know, even still to this day, and I, maybe a lot's an exaggeration because, you know, it's not like greater than 50%, but it's still, there's a pretty fair number um, that can be fairly sexist. Um, and that was just, and I only bring that up to say that that was just not even remotely who Vin Scully was. Um, the first thing, he shook my wife's hand, said it was a real pleasure to meet her, um, and he looked forward to working with her. And... Uh, my wife, you know, again, when you're trying to come up in, a, in an industry like that, when you're my wife, it's, it's exceedingly difficult. So to get that kind of respect instantly from a legend like that um, is quite big. And I, I, I just can never forget this, that she told me that the next words out of her mouth um, were, it's a real honor to meet you, Mr. Scully. And he said, Mrs. Johnson, you and I are going to get along just fine. As long as you call me Vin. And he smiled and he couldn't have been more courteous the whole time and helpful and and everything else. And so it, it wasn't just that Vin Scully was incredible at what he did. It was incredible who he was. Um, and who he still can be to so many people. Um, a very kind and very generous person who set the standard for so many people who wanted to make that craft their profession like I did at one point. A man who perfected letting a moment breathe. A man who could tell a story unlike any. Look up his story about Madison Bumgarner if you haven't. Uh, a man who was able to leave on his own accord at the end of his career and who was afforded doing that. Um, and a man who made himself a part of your life whether he knew it or not. And I, it, it, there's just something so special about that that we just aren't going to get anymore. 
and he's he's truly the last of 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 that and i think that's especially why it hurt so much um when he died um there's just never going to be anyone like him again and i think we should all consider ourselves lucky that we got to share uh we got to have him share himself uh, with all of us for so long. So, um, a thank you to Vin for everything. And I mean, for me, it's it's not much. And for so many others, it's so much more. Um, but a real thank you to Vin. And I can tell you that interaction with my wife still has an impact um, on her today. Um, it's still one of, it's still a, a top three moment for her in her career. Um, and you really made it special. So, um, with that, we're going to just straight off the deep end into an empty pool into, uh, ask Michael anything. Just rip straight from a thoughtful tribute into ask Michael anything right into at Mark Sandritter, Mark Sandritter. Where will Cam Ward's 2022 rank on the all-time WSU single-season QB ranking? Uh, that really all depends on, I think, the offensive line for one thing. Um, and we very well may only get Cam Ward for a year. Um, I'll put it, like, in terms of total yards, probably top 15. Um, but I don't know that it'll blow us all. I mean, I think we'll all be blown away by Cam Ward's athleticism. I just don't know that the overall numbers are really going to blow us um, away. At WSU Brady 27, Brady, you get one grill for the next 10 years. Flat top, propane, charcoal, or pellet. Ooh. I've never used pellet. I have a flat top and a propane. And I'll be frank, I'm still like, I still don't know like if I'm really good at using the flat top. The first time I used it, I made 36 burgers and 36 hot dogs for my daughter's birthday party. Probably not a good first use of it. So I need a better understanding of how to use it. So like, I think propane, since I'm comfortable with it, I think I would go with that one, honestly. Um, at nschulte10, Nick, if you could go back in time and be a student in any four-year stretch, what years would you pick? Ooh. I mean, my four years were pretty fun. I mean, you know, again, going to the NCAA tournament and all. I mean, probably, probably that time... Um, so what I would say like 2000 to 2004 uh, so you get the Rose Bowl um, you get I think at least one Apple Cup in there I got two um, yeah I mean just anything that included a Rose Bowl would be nice right yeah I think I'd go with that I mean I liked my four years a lot although you know the four years with uh, 2016 through 2019 those four four years would have been good too 15 to 19 that would have been good too um, at Jeff White, Jeffrey White, Michael, will I finally pass the NCLEX, the NCLEX? Please say yes. I assume that's like a test. I'm going to go, as you guys know, I don't look this up. What is that test for? National Council Licensure Examination? Oh, test the competency of nursing school graduates. Oh, very cool, Jeff. Yeah, of course you will. Yeah, come on. A little moxie, a little confidence, you know? You know, it's fine. I always used to listen to uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean theme before Comp 295. Like, get me a little pumped up, you know, jacked up to go into that class. That might work for you. Give that a shot. 
uh, at Max Like Sports One. Max Like Sports. What have you been up to since last season? Oh God, I got COVID. Uh, a lot of hockey. That was fun. Kraken should be good this year too, by the way. Uh, bought a house. Daughter got like bigger. Oh, bought a car. I really did a lot. I crammed a lot in since last football season. At least underscore worst underscore of uh, attitude specialist. Will the O-line keep Cam Ward upright? Kind of a million dollar question, isn't it? And I kind of hate to bail out with a TBD, but it's kind of TBD. At P. Cornwell 09, Patrick Cornwell. If you could bring any past Coug to act as a fill-in for this season, who would it be? Uh, Andre Dillard and Abe Luke. <laughs> and Kenny Alfred and and yeah, like all those all those guys. Yeah, we'll preview the Idaho Vandals next week. Talk hopefully no more about realignment, but uh, we have a genuine football game to talk about, a depth chart to talk about probably next week as well. Uh, and uh, oh, uniform combos. God, we get it all back next week. But it is week zero, by the way, guys. Hawaii plays Vanderbilt at like 7.30 this week. And you know I'm going to be out on the new patio with a couple of gin and tonics uh, watching that football game. So we get football back. It is fall again. We get to do this show every week. And I can't wait for it. We will talk to you next week on the Cook Center Hour.